Super Talk Mississippi Media Production. Or pre record on my count. Seven, six, five, four, three, two, roll A, fade up on A. Southern Miss to the top. You're tuned in to the Eagle Hour. Hey, good Wednesday afternoon, everybody. Welcome to another edition of the Eagle Hour. Bob Getty and Luke Johnson from the First Bank Studios in Laurel and Hattiesburg. We're glad you're with us and appreciate you tuning in this afternoon. Opening segment of the show, as it is every day, sponsored by our good friends at Dickie's Barbecue Pit. Proud supporters of the Eagle Hour, we're happy to say, and Southern Miss Athletics. You can enjoy their delicious food. They cook it seven days a week right next to the mall in Hattiesburg or in a community near you. Uh, the Hattiesburg Dickies uh, now with the restaurant, uh, the dining room opened at 50% capacity, drive through home delivery, all sorts of ways to enjoy Dickies barbecue. And we hope that you will do just that. Uh, and we appreciate Dickies barbecue for their support of the Eagle Hour. Bob and Luke Kelly uh, still out. We're hoping to have Kelly back, uh, maybe, but maybe sometime next week. Uh, we'll look forward to that. But uh, uh, Kelly's okay; he's just out for the time being, and uh, and we'll have him back uh, as soon as we possibly can. All right, we're going to talk to Kevin Maloney at Jones College. He's on the phone with us, and uh, a lot of news. Uh, you know, we don't have any sports to talk about anymore, Kevin, but uh, we certainly have had a plenty of information to discuss uh, on this show, and. Uh, and so what we wanted to bring you on about today was, uh, I, I think it's fair to say, some were a little surprised this week, the National Junior College Athletic Association made national news when it voted to move all fall sports to the spring. But abstaining from the vote were the representatives of Mississippi. So uh, Mississippi, their Junior College Athletic Association, parts ways with all the other junior colleges in the country and uh, say they're going to move forward with spring sports or, or fall sports. So, first of all, tell me what would cause uh, the officials that represent junior colleges in Mississippi to part ways with its national association? Well, first of all, thanks for having me. And sure. uh, second thing is that um, what you mentioned, we, have, we are simply abstaining about football. Soccer is going to the spring. Uh, basketball is going to the spring, volleyball is going to the spring. Of course, we don't have volleyball, but we abstained from the vote solely on football. Um, the vote was 91% in favor of moving everything to the spring, 9% abstained. I don't know if that was all us in Mississippi or not, but it was 91 to 9 vote. The reason being, we, we have called ourselves the SEC of junior college football. I mean, we are the SEC you know, of college football at the junior college level. I mean, you look at Jones alone, we had uh, six, seven guys that are going to the SEC the last couple years across the board. You're talking about probably close to 75 guys are going SEC football um, out of our league. So I think our mindset, our um, administrator's mindset is, hey, let's see what the SEC does. We want to see what they do on a national level. We want to see what the ACC does, some of these other big programs, and just see, hey, if they're taking a wait and see approach, why don't we? So we're going to give it a couple extra weeks. Um, we have been told that 
We have to file an appeal by July 27th to the NJCAA to say that, hey, we would like to play football this fall, and we'll have that um, sent off to them, and then we'll know our answer. So the way we're trying to do it is to just go independent this fall and say, hey, we want to play. We, we've already cut the schedule from nine games to eight games. So we're going to play an eight-game schedule starting September 10th. It's already pushed back those two weeks. We'll play our conference semis and our conference championship game, but we will not have any chance to win a national title, which that kills Mississippi. We've won, I think, seven of the last nine combined. So that kind of breaks it down a little bit what we're looking at. We're trying to take the wait-and-see approach for a couple more weeks. Um, but our wait-and-see approach is simply for football. Everything else will go to the spring. All right, I'm going to play devil's advocate with you, Kevin. Uh, okay. 862 new cases yesterday in Mississippi. Now over, we're approaching 38,000 Mississippians sick with this uh, disease. Almost 1,300 dead. 1,255 in Jones County, which, of course, is the home of uh, Jones College. What do you say to those people who, who might say, look, uh, junior college football is great. SEC football is great. We know a lot of people like it. But when it comes to a pandemic that's threatening the health and safety of all of our citizens, it's really insignificant and should not be a priority over the health of our community. Correct. And, of course, we've said all along that health and safety is the number one priority uh, for our student-athletes. And what I would say is that, like, you know, I'm a stats guy. I'm a numbers guy. I look at the data all the time. Don't get me wrong. But I think a lot of the reasons why the numbers are skyrocketing is because of the testing. I know the testing is going through the roof. We're, we're testing at an all-time time rate. Um, and you look at what kids that we're dealing with. You know, when you talk about high school sports, you're talking about, what, 15 to 18? And when you talk about junior college, you're talking 18 to 21, 22. The odds of those kids aged 15 to 22 contracting this, dying from this, very slim. And the way we look at it, too, is like in a controlled environment like they would be here, they'd be much safer, we think, in the environment of playing sports than being at home, so to say. We'll, you know, think about all the spraying down of equipment, um, the mask, the distancing, all that stuff, you know, we feel that kind of – that they're in a better shape to be here. Of course, there's a lot more structure being here. You're around coaches, administrators, academic advisors. You're around people every day that are going to make you better. There are a lot of kids that just need that structure. Um, so that, that's kind of the approach that we're taking is we want people here on campus. Uh, you know, of course, we understand the, the threat on a nationwide, um, but we just know that football alone will not work for junior colleges in the spring. It will not work. So that that's kind of the approach we're taking. You know, we, we're telling these kids, we'll get you out of here in three semesters. Well, they're going to be gone. We're going to have 20 guys leave in December, more leave in, in February. We cannot physically play spring football with 30 players. You can't do it. So that that's kind of how the – to answer your question there a little bit, we look at the age range. We say it's a lot more structured here in this environment than you would be at home. So is the Junior College Association, in essence, saying that uh, they don't believe what the medical community is saying? That they don't believe it's, that they don't believe re- that, that they don't believe that the number of cases represent a legitimate pandemic. They believe mean, that it's only the result of testing, and therefore it's no danger to anyone associated with junior college athletics. Is that what they're do saying? You mean, you, do you mean just Region Twenty Three or the NJCA as a whole? 
the, the statewide, the the you know the Junior College Association of Mississippi. Mississippi, yeah. So we had, the NJCA gave every region their own say. Like when they came out and gave all these the protocols and the going back to school and here's how this is going to happen, the the plan to to bring back fall sports and spring sports. They said, look, this is just what we're saying, but it's up to each of your individual regions. So Region 23 is what we're under, Mississippi and Louisiana. I think, you know, we are definitely listening to our health uh, people all the time here. I think Dr. Dobbs is his name. And our administrators and, and coaches, like I said, they're all in cahoots kind of with what the SEC is going to do. And so we're not saying, no, it's not as, as bad as it sounds. We're saying, hey, why don't we just wait and see a couple more weeks uh, I mean, you and I both know it changes every 48 hours, 24, 48 hours. So we could say, hey, gung-ho, we're, we're going for it this fall. We're going to play independent, we're playing football, and then shut it down in two weeks. Um, it's just we're trying to just be overly, overly optimistic um, because we feel like we owe it to our kids to get here. All right, fair point. Luke? I like it, Kevin. Bob's just grumpy this week because of the Redskin ordeal. No, it's so don't not let him true. Just no, take no, that no. This is you, okay? a serious matter, and it's it's really you know it is a this is a serious situation with COVID nineteen, and I think everything should be considered when we're talking about bringing back sports. I think anything that's done that might promote any further distribution of this disease, you got to take a real serious look at. And I love football as much as everybody, guys. I want to see football too, but I don't. I guess what I'm trying to say is I don't want to see football at the risk of of more innocent people falling ill with COVID nineteen. Does that make sense? Yeah, I, I see that too, and I, and I say that you know to be on the other side of that. I say, hey, you know, you're going to get testing here. They're going to take your temperature. They're going to do all the necessary steps. You know, every single day, if somebody has to be quarantined, they're quarantined. We're putting all of our male athletes in one particular dorm spaced out. Same thing with females. So we have, like, procedures and precautions in place for that. Um, but, and, yeah, I agree with you. I mean, I understand it is a serious. There's some people be like, there's going to be 50% of the nation that's going to say, oh, this is serious. we got to take it serious. And I think the other 50 are not. Oh, it's not a big deal. But I, I do err on the side of caution. But then my whole deal is I, I look at – you know, with the with the kids, if we we're in a situation in the world today where it, it, it appears and it looks like on the outside looking in that like we are not um, you know providing opportunities for minorities, and you look at junior college football in Mississippi, it's predominantly black. We we've got to get those guys here in a structured environment, um, or it may continue being bad. We're just trying to do everything right. we can. All right, hold your, hold your thought, Kevin. We're gonna get right. uh, we're gonna get Luke involved, or he'll get mad and say something ugly about the Redskins. So we're gonna <laughs> we're gonna get Luke uh, in this conversation. You're just grumpy. I know. You're just I, grumpy I, I today. Can't, I can't deny it. Uh, we're get our buddy Kevin Maloney and uh, continue our important conversation about JC football. We'll be right back. Southern Miss to the top. To the top. You're tuned in to the Eagle Hour. Hey, welcome back. We're glad you're with us this afternoon. We're happy to have Kevin Maloney from Jones College on the show with us. Uh, big news about junior college and high school football as well. That we'll get to that a little later 
in the program. This segment is sponsored by Campus Bookmart and CampusBookmart.net. Proud supporters of Southern Miss, of course. Great selection of Southern Miss apparel. Really the largest you'll find anywhere. They're located right across the street from the campus on Hardy Street. They're open again Monday through Saturday, but if you prefer to uh, continue to shop online, well, you can do that too. CampusBookmartMart.net. Pick out your apparel. They'll deliver it right to your front door. We're talking to Kevin Maloney from Jones College. Uh, good good friends of ours here at Super Talk. Uh, we do a lot with Jones, and uh, we really appreciate them. All right, Kevin, let's let Luke get in here before he before – he, I won't say the nasty things he's been saying about my franchise <laughs> off the air, but if I don't let him in, he'll probably say well, it on the air. Well, Kevin, you just let Doc Kane know that they're going to have to get a, another third wheel to to help Chuck and Mark with the radio broadcast. I got fired from uh, from Super Talk <laughs> during the break, but anyway, um, let's let let's bring up the education aspect of it. And and again, I'm I'm pulling back some. I am I, I was pleased to to get the news yesterday that they would possibly be JUCO football in Mississippi this fall. But from a, from an education standpoint, you you mentioned it in passing in the first segment. When these guys come in, they know that they're they're three semester guys. Um, some sometimes very few cases they redshirt and and they may stay you know four or five semesters. But but. From an education standpoint and from a development standpoint, these guys are on pace. They do their their classwork, and they're expecting you know their fourth semester. They've they've taken everything they've needed to in Ellisville. They're looking uh, to what's to come. This throws a monkey wrench in it if you move it to the spring. Also, there's coaches uh, throughout Group of Five and Power Five programs that are expecting Steve Buckley and his staff to develop these players. And if there's no season in the fall, those programs get shortchanged on the kid being developed. Also, so I think there is so much positive about keeping it as it is and hoping for a season this fall. Correct. I mean, there is no one in the country that gets kids out at Christmas like Mississippi Junior College does. Last year alone, we had, I think, 20 guys leave at Christmas. Uh, altogether, we had 26 players off our team last year that are moving on to play at the senior level. 25 of those are to Division One. You look at Gulf Coast, East Mississippi, Northwest Mississippi, they are churning out guys in three semesters. That, that's what we do, three semesters. So, you know, it, it is a structure. You're around coaching. You're around academic advisors. You're around a set schedule every day, whether it's a workout schedule, an eating schedule, whatever. It's structure. You know, we are talking off the air. You know, a, a majority of our football team are minorities. And, like, some of them don't have that structure. Some of them may come from some pretty rough backgrounds. They may have had, you know, grade casualties. Who knows coming into uh, to, to our college? And we're trying to give everybody that opportunity to get out of here in three semesters, give them some of that structure, get them onto the four-year level. And it's, it's fall football or bust in my mind. There, there is no way that Mississippi Junior College can play spring football. No way. And so I think it's going to come down to if, the, if we petition the NJCA and say, hey, for this year alone, we would like to go independent. And if everything lines up well, then we'll continue on next fall. But I'm telling you right now, if we do not play football this fall, we will not play till next fall. And that's going to rob a kid of a year of film, whether it's spring workouts, whatever, a chance to get recruited by the four-year teams. They basically have their films from their freshman year, and that's it. That, that's going to kill some kids, and that's what we are trying to avoid more than anything. And not just for Jones. I'm talking about 14 schools in our league. 
Yeah, it, it's hard for us, Kevin, you know, who have grown up in Mississippi. I mean, I'd get a Friday morning Laurel Eater call when I was a kid and see Jones played last night. People take it for granted. Most, very few states have, obviously, the number of junior colleges that we do, but the, the height of it. You look at any poll, there's going to be five or six Mississippi teams in the top 20. Is that maybe the reason some of that people who have grown up in this state really don't understand how rich and how good the football is? Maybe so. I mean, you look like, I think I mentioned it earlier, seven of the last nine national champions, that's 60 schools that play in the NJCAA, have come from Mississippi. I mean, that's incredible. Um, And the two years it wasn't, I think it may have been somebody in Kansas, uh, Texas, not sure. But, But we're doing things the right way. You look at our teams on an academic level, too. I mean, academic teams of the year, national academic teams of the year, like football alone this year had three uh, national team of the year uh, for football and the NJCA. There was no other schools in the country that had above a 3.0 GPA in football besides three Mississippi wow. schools. So that just shows you, like, the, the way that we had to set up here, the facilities, the academic advisors, the trainers, all the support staff, like, this is where you want to be. Um, of course, we're going to brag on Jones because we win. You know, we, we have the people in place here, but – I just if we can't play football this fall, it, it is going to put into motion a lot of kids that are going to lose out on opportunities that we promised them. We promised them during the recruiting process. The coaches sat in their living room and said, "We will get you out of here in three semesters." And now, because of this, sorry, we can't do anything for you. It's just devastating for our coaching staff to have to to, to look at that. And and I think you've seen some of the quotes that have come out from like I think football scoop. Um, I think the commercial dispatch has something, but the quote of this is essentially killing junior college football in Mississippi. We have to play this fall. All right, Kevin, what about basketball? How, how, does, the, how does the association's stance affect basketball in the junior colleges? So basketball typically, typically starts in November, the first week of November. Uh, that will move to January. I believe the first playing date is January 21st uh, for soccer. You know, this is what's questioning to me, like sports like volleyball and soccer and even tennis, ball tennis, you're not in that close contact. Now, of course, soccer is a contact sport. I get it. Volleyball, you're running around with your teammates, but you're not ever on the other side of the volleyball court. Right. You know, you're on the side of the court with your team. Right. So I don't understand, you know, just me personally, why you cannot play volleyball and tennis and, and those sports in the fall. Um, so, so soccer as of right now, Soccer week starting in April. And then you've got uh, basketball in January, soccer in April. And my, my major concern is if, if they do somehow say spring football for Mississippi, how in the world are we going to get buses to all these things? We're going to have nine sports going on between February and May, and bus shortages are going to be, like, nationwide. So how in the world are we going to travel to these places? Right. Um, I just I look at the big picture uh, with stuff like that, but that's where it stands right now. Football is the lone holdout. Right. We are going to petition the uh, the NJCAA, but as of right now, the only thing hanging on for the fall possibility is football. So you can do basketball, move it back, and and really not interrupt those kids to the same degree. Is that what I hear you saying? Correct. They're still going to get their twenty one regular season games. Correct. Right. Right. Soccer, same deal. They're still going to get there. I think it's 16 or 18 games. Uh, so that's not going to change. 
Um, everything else literally is okay. You know, baseball and softball will, will, will start on time in March, uh, and it'll kind of go from there. Right. And is it fair to say, too, that, that uh, and, and I say this with all due respect, because I was eons ago, back before Luke was ever around, I was a junior college football player. Uh, I, I know it's important, and... Um, to those kids, but is it fair to say too that maybe you can get away by playing junior college football a little easier than maybe some of these big conferences that are talking about fifty thousand people being at a football game? Yeah, I think so because you know you you can seclude it just like we were right. talking about. We know we know the fans at a, at a typical Jones football game. The fans are going to be fifteen hundred to two thousand, mm-hmm. but we know most likely if we do play in the fall, we're looking at probably no fans. We get that. But but at least we know that we can break them up in dorms. We can there'll be a two week quarantine period. So if anybody in that two week window gets it, I mean they they have got precautions in place from our from people that handle housing, from the cafeteria, football. Like they they have a plan in place of how we are going to keep that interaction, you know, at a minimum. Mm-hmm. So, but yeah, you're right. I mean, we're talking about a sixty man roster. Compared right, to these right. four-year schools that may have a hundred, hundred and ten. Yeah, it's two different environments. Correct, there's, there's no correct. question. Now, is Jones going to have class in the fall, Kevin? Or, yeah. or is that the plan yeah. to have kids back in the classroom? Yes, we are starting a week early. It'll be August tenth. Uh, I believe people are moving in the dorms the sixth through the ninth, and they will. This is the craziest schedule I've ever seen in my life. But they're going to come in August tenth. They will take their last final the Friday before Thanksgiving. And they will not come back to campus until February the first. Wow! You're talking about ten weeks off. Wow! Uh, I think that's to avoid the contact between Thanksgiving and Christmas with family coming in and out of town. Right. Um, right. So, and I wouldn't be surprised if that whole structure works. That that's not the norm moving on with junior college. Instead of getting out of school and you know May sixth or seventh, maybe you're getting out May twentieth. Right. But you're getting a ten week Christmas. Slash Thanksgiving break. I never had anything like that. No, I'd like to have that myself. I'm jealous. I'm uh, very look, jealous. Uh, we don't normally do this, but I'm going to ask you if you can just hang on. We'd like to keep you around for the next segment, and, okay. and we, we can have a general discussion. I think, guys, about what are all the schools up against, and a lot of things that you point out. I don't think people think about Kevin transportation, housing for road games. Uh, you know, all of, all of those sorts of things. How how can you best allow fans to enjoy the game without endangering and there's so many different things to discuss that i'm sure all of these things you folks in the business are having to uh, go over every day so uh we'll look forward to continuing that get luke more involved as well and uh, the eagle hour will continue with kevin maloney from jones college right after this Southern Miss to the top. Back on a cloudy Wednesday. Thank you for joining us on the Eagle Hour. Wherever you are, Luke and Bob from the First Bank Studios in Hattiesburg 
And beautiful downtown Laurel, third segment of the Eagle Hour, brought to you every day by 4th Street Bar and Grill, located on 4th Street in Hattiesburg, Mississippi. Swing in there and get that famous 895 lunch. It includes a drink, and we appreciate 4th Street Bar and Grill being a proud sponsor of the Eagle Hour. We continue with Kevin Maloney of Jones College. And, uh, Kevin, you were talking before the break. Um, so much goes into pulling one of these games off. Jones loses a game. They go from uh, 9 to 8. If it were to go through uh, in a few weeks, if the uh, JCAA were to accept uh, the Mac Jacks uh, proposal to play football, you would uh, Jones would begin on September 10th. In Boonville, <laughs> one of the longest trips for fans from Ellisville, uh, northeast Mississippi. I don't think a lot of people realize how much goes into getting football players uh, from A to B on a JUCO trip. And a lot of times, um, the Maroon Typhoon tags along as well. Correct, yeah. I mean, you're you're talking about for a typical road game. Well, that one, uh, before all this happened, we were supposed to have back-to-back four-and-a-half-hour trips to northwest Mississippi and Northeast Mississippi, which I would have expected the band to bend at one of those. Uh, you know, typically football takes two buses. I think the band takes three or four buses. But with the social distancing and all that that stuff going on, we were told possibly you know maybe you have to take four buses. Well, that's another three or four thousand dollars here and there. And before you know it, you're staring fifty grand for a trip, fifty grand for a trip in the face, and you just can't afford that. Um, and so that that's the biggest thing is while we were talking about cutting the games down, and we had actually proposed to cut it to six games. Coach Buckley was 100% in favor, and so was our AD Joel Kane, of just playing six division games, playing your playoff games, and then having a conference champion, which you would have a game, you would have an open week after every game, so that if you had somebody that came down with it, you would have that two week testing period or that. Um, quarantine period, and to me that seemed like if we are truthfully talking about player safety and the safety of everyone, why not just play six games, have a break in between each week, and play a seven, possibly eight games, and have a conference champion. That to me seemed more reasonable than playing eight plus a semi, plus a championship uh, if we're truly talking about player safety. Sure, and and specifically Joel being a medical professional in his, you know in his former life, yes. he gets that, and yes. that is why people don't realize how much how much you know common sense and professional sense is not only in Ellisville but across these uh, these community colleges throughout the state. Um, Dr. Smith is a guy who uh, wants to protect his campus, and Dr. Smith's probably the most passionate fan on a Thursday or Saturday, you know, cheering on 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 the Bobcats. So, but but that you're you're saying right now that's been thrown out that the six game schedule wouldn't be a possibility. Well, well, it was kind of laughed at honestly, like a month ago when we proposed it, and now people have actually come back and said, you know what, maybe that's not such a bad idea. But right now, what's on the table is if we do play this fall, it will be that eight game and not the six game. So mm-hmm. that, that is out of the question. It's eight plus the playoffs right now. All right, Kevin, I know you do some work for the SEC in television. And, uh, of course, as we've reported on this show, uh, a couple of major conferences, the Big Ten and the Pac-12, have announced that they're going to play only uh, conference games Still waiting to hear from the Big 12, the ACC, and the SEC to round out those Power Five conferences. If you were a guessing man, betting man today, what would you think the other three conferences are going to do, Kevin? Well, I mean, obviously it looks like it's what does the SEC do, and everybody kind of follows suit. Like I said earlier in the call, you know, 
we are waiting as a conference to see what the SEC does, to see what the MACJC does. So, me personally, I can't see them going to a conference only. I think they'll play their normal, what is it, 12 games. Um, there's just so much money riding, especially on these smaller schools. Like I told you, I had a friend from Arkansas State. They called me, said they were supposed to play a road game at Michigan, was going to cost their athletic department $1.8 million. That's going to cost a couple people their jobs. So I, I just I look at the SEC that it, it helps support and pay for so many other sports, even at other schools, and especially like your own sports, your volleyballs, your tennis, your track, your cross country. That is funded by SEC football. So I think that's why they're truthfully trying to do everything they can because they know it doesn't affect just football. Mm-hmm. It affects so many other organizations and people. And, you know, everybody's trying to, you know, not have furloughs and layoffs. Um, I do think there's so much thought that goes into it. It's never just a, hey, we want football because we want football. It truthfully is really thought out. And would would you envision uh, maybe games at some of the larger conferences being played with, uh, you know, with reduced capacity in the stadium? Or we've even heard the idea of nobody in the stadium. But it does seem it does seem that that the trend more would be toward you know reducing the reducing the number of people you allow inside the stadium. I think it's truly based on where you are, because if you look at what the Philadelphia Eagles just announced, they just say we're not going to have any fans. Philadelphia Phillies just said we're not going to have any fans. But I have a trip planned for week two to go to Las Vegas to see the Raiders and the Saints play for a Monday night football game. And right now they said they're only going to allow season ticket holders in the game. Mm -hmm. So I truthfully think it's going to come down to what each individual school deems necessary. I mean, look at Texas A&M. They seat 105. You look at some of these massive schools, maybe they don't seat 105. Maybe they say, hey, we'll seat 30,000. Right. But I think it's going to come down to each individual like region of the country because everybody's different. I mean, Texas right now and Florida are the two that you see apparently the biggest spikes. So I could see their numbers being a little different, maybe in no fans right. as compared to somebody else. So, right. did you say the Philadelphia Eagles are not going to have fans in there? No. Nope. It came out yesterday. The Eagles and the Phillies will not have any. Well, fans. that right there can cure COVID nineteen if you keep all those <laughs> nasty, disgusting Philadelphia Eagle fans at home. Luke. I have been to some games Grumpy. there. It is brutal. Grumpy. <laughs> I went to a red taking Kansas it out Eagles on the rest Monday of the NFC game. East. Yeah, Kevin, I got, I'll tell you this story. Three years ago, my daughter and wife and son-in-law, grandson, we all went to the to the Philly Redskin opener in Washington, and I think I saw more fist fights than I saw points scored by the Redskins that afternoon. Man, they were, those fan bases do not get along. So you you know what I'm talking about, right? About Absolutely. about, about like, Eagle fans. Like, yeah, they're they're up in there with Raider fans too. They're pretty ridiculous. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> Kevin. Um, Kevin, on, on a different front, and uh, we, we want to report this today. We'll unpack it a little more after uh, after you get off the phone with us. But, you know, the MHSAA announcing yesterday, September 11th, which would be the day after um, junior college football in Mississippi uh, would hopefully begin. Does that help at all Mac Jack's uh, chances, or is that just totally separated? If you look at your home state and you say this is how the rest of the state is handling sports, uh, are, are they? It won't matter at all uh, on the bearing of that with what I, I the high school football is doing in Mississippi. I think it absolutely helps. I mean, you look at Mississippi and, and you say, "Hey, look, look what they're doing," and they're going to look at us in the face and we're like, "Well, what are you going to do, junior college?" And then maybe. 
you know, an SEC or, or a larger school may say, well, look, the SEC could say, well, Mississippi High School is playing, Mississippi Junior College is playing, why can't we play? So, I mean, it gives you some kind of leverage to say at least they're going to try. Now, we could be overly optimistic and say September 10th, let's go. And on September 9th, they could shut everything down. But still, you got to have some kind of hope that, hey, let's play ball. And, and I do think that it's got to help uh, in, in the grand scheme of things because a lot of those kids are going to come play here at the junior college level. And so they got to get their seasons in. Right. We just don't know, do we, Kevin? No, we really don't. I mean, it, it honestly changes every 24 hours. And one way or the other, I just, I'm ready to say, hey, we're going to play, we're not going to play. But I think that's I know right. Yeah. It's got to be a wait-and-see approach. So right. the main date that we're staring in the face is July 27th. That's when our appeal has to be submitted. And then I would think our players are supposed to arrive August 1. I would think if we don't know something by August 1, I would tell you that there, that's without a shadow of a doubt, August 1, we will know. And what and happens if the appeal left. is rejected? I don't guess we talk about then, that. Then we as a conference, I don't think we would play until next fall. Really? I think we would say we're not going to play. Because this is what you come into in the spring with. You're going to have a 30-man roster in the spring. Then you're going to turn around they're going to play March, April, May. Bowl games are in June. You're going to get one month off in June. Bring the kids back in July. You're going to end up playing two seasons in a matter of, what, six yeah. months? It not doesn't, it doesn't yeah. seem practical, does it, Not guys? possible. That, that's why, like, all along, the NJCA's proposal to play in the spring just seemed, like, really crazy. It just didn't right. seem very thought out to the fact that you would literally play March, April, May, sit one month out, and come right back. That was going to destroy kids' bodies. I don't care how young and agile they are. But you're talking about being in that <laughs> that heat, playing, what, six out of eight months football? Wow. That, that is going to destroy somebody. More injuries, you know, it's going to ruin kids' chances of playing at the next level. I mean, you name it. Kevin, even Luke couldn't stand up to that kind of pace right there. And, and we all know – how athletic Luke is. Luke? Hey, Kevin, hunters, Kevin's hunters seen me eat. Too, he knows man. I'm a competitive. <laughs> he, he knows I'm yeah. a competitive eater. He's seen that yeah, on the There we go. There's no question. Hey, Kevin, we really appreciate but your you, time. You're a great guy, man, to, to put up with us for this long. I, this is a record, Luke. I don't think anybody's ever put up with us this long in one show. So No, he's... He's put up with me about 12 hours in one day, so he knows what he got was getting into. Thanks a That's lot, it. Kevin. We appreciate no you, problem. buddy. All right, you, Kevin Maloney, everybody, from Jones College. Luke and I will be right back. Tuned in to the Eagle Hour. The Eagle Hour. Southern Miss to the top. Fourth segment of the Eagle Hour brought to you every day by Toyota of Hattiesburg, located on Highway 98 in Hattiesburg or online, toyotahattiesburg.com. You can view their entire inventory on that website. You can view new, pre-owned, certified vehicles, whether you're looking for an SUV, a car, a truck, let Toyota Hattiesburg help you with your next purchase. Proud sponsor 
of the Eagle Hour. Appreciate Kevin Maloney coming on, uh, the one of the SIDs down there with the famous Sean Bubba Wansley at Jones College. And, uh, you know, Kevin, Bob, uh, his wife, Catherine, is uh, really involved in, and leads up and heads uh, D1 and D-Bat in Hattiesburg, located in the old Gaddy right. town. And you want to talk about a good place. Catherine just kind of jumped on with, uh, with the Eagle Hour when, when they came into town. And, man, it's a great place uh, for families. It's a great place uh, to, to get your youngsters involved in softball and baseball. And, and, I, and I would think right now, really important, with minor league baseball being canceled, some of those instructors are going to be around for a little longer, and you should take advantage of that if you're a parent. Oh, uh, but we appreciate Catherine Maloney and, and D-Bat and D1 and absolutely. their sponsorship at the Eagle Hour. Absolutely. We appreciate right. everybody. Big news, big news, big news. We've waited on it for quite some time. We knew that July 14th was going to be the day that the Mississippi High School Athletics Association made a big announcement uh, yesterday afternoon around 3 o'clock. Uh, here is the big news. The MHSAA Executive Committee voted Tuesday to delay the fall sports calendar two weeks due to COVID-19. What that means is practice for cross-country swimming and volleyball begins on August 10th. Competition is permitted starting August 24th. Practice for football can begin August 17th. Scrimmages between schools are allowed beginning August 28th. Games starting September 4th. The the football playoff and championship dates are unchanged. Games scheduled for the first two weeks of the season will not be made up. Uh, that, it's kind of bittersweet. No, no, probably no little brown jug game between Laurel and Hattiesburg. Oh. But I can't tell you enough how exciting it is that they made this decision. We will have high school football in Mississippi. Yeah, and you know, Luke, I think, and you made this point uh, off air, and I think it's a really valid point. Uh, probably one of the most productive things to come out of this, if in fact we see it happen, will be to bring back some normalcy to people. Just the, just the feeling that things are maybe a little back to normal, that may go a whole lot. It may go a long way in, in just making people feel better. And certainly it's normal on Friday nights in the fall to be playing high school football, right? When you are in an unsure situation, let's say you're going down the road and you know a car doesn't the car's passing in front of you and they, they're coming towards you. What what do you do if you're unsure if they're going to get back in your lane or not? You start swerving, you start grabbing your steering wheel. If you're watching a scary movie on your couch and you have a pillow in your lap and something surprises you, what do you do? You grab hold of things. <laughs> and so what you just said, normalcy, Kevin Maloney actually texted me this a little um, uh, a minute ago also. We were talking, uh, uh, texting off air. Same thing. In the most unsure time of our life, one of the things that is synonymous with our culture is our kids' activities, our sports, our release valves. People haven't had that for, for four or five months. Right. Um, obviously, above all that is, is our relationship with the Lord, and, and we grab hold of Him. He's our anchor. But practically, what we look at in front, I think it will do more to cure society of some of the, the panic and just kind of the, the stress I don't, again, this article or the MHSAA release, Bob, doesn't mention anything at all about fans. It doesn't talk about what that protocol is going to come. But the simple fact that people know that there's going to be a football game played in South Mississippi on a Friday night, I think will cure a lot of stress and uh, anxiousness in people's minds. Well, that's right. And if they don't let fans in to Jones County High School, Laurel High School, or Oak Grove, I know where they can hear the game. 
they can hear it right here on Super Talk in Hattiesburg and Laurel, and we're certainly looking forward to broadcasting uh, those games. So right, I'm, I'm hired. I'm not fired again. No, no, you're, I'm, ba- I'm you're back on the payroll. You're back on the payroll. Oh, and the reason is because you told me you would come up with a solution for my franchise. Can you share that with me, please? Because as you know, yeah, look, so- this has been a hard week. It has been. And and in the English language, different words mean different things. Um, obviously, the word redskin, um, people uh, view that historically. It could possibly be a derogatory statement. A lot of people torn over that actual statement. So what could we do to preserve the, such an iconic historic <laughs> franchise? Well, different words, same words have different meanings. So picture, if you would, Bob, a burgundy background, okay? Right. A, a burgundy square. I'm with you. In the middle of that burgundy square would be a white round plate okay right. a, a dinner plate right the inside right. of that plate would then be a another circle this one would be in gold to the left of the gold hanging off the side of the plate and, and almost looks like a hair or a feather but it's green and it's garnish okay and right smack dab in the middle is a red baked potato <laughs> and we have managed the red say it is a red skin the potato. Washington Redskins I like it. I, I like Hail it. Hell to the spuds. Yeah, I like it Hail a whole lot spuds. better than the red wolves, let me assure you that. So I'm on board. I'm on board with the red potatoes. Red skin potatoes. That that's it, Luke. You've resolved this. Send a text to Dan Snyder, would you please? Maybe maybe it's just, not. I'm too just low. glad I got my job back. I'm just glad <laughs> Jody Lott actually helped me with that too, so I'll send throw Jody a bone too because he got my job back for me. Right. Thanks, Jody. Well, I'm, I'm glad you're back on board with us. All right, that wraps up the show today. Luke and I back tomorrow at 1 o'clock. Thanks a lot for listening, everybody. It's always fun. Southern Miss. To the top. I want to fly like an eagle to the sea. Fly like an eagle. Let my spirit carry me. I want to fly like an eagle till I'm free. Super Talk Mississippi Media Production.